Hello, friends. We're back again. It's time for Joel and Kate at eight. And oh, Kate, we sat here last week and we had like the biggest super buildup for WrestleMania night two. Steven Jensen joined us, spoke for a 10 minutes, gave, gave us like the most heartwarming, incredible speech about his connection to Cody and why winning the title meant everything. And then he got fucked out of it. Welcome to Tim. So I'm not Tim. That's not Tim and Joel. Welcome to Kate and Joel. <laughs> You're muted. <laughs> I'm logged in, baby. I can unmute myself as I want. Oh, I felt so sincerely bad for Jensen. It screwed up his tattoo plans, Joel. Like this was, he was invested. He was invested beyond belief here. I mentioned that on newsworthy this past week on overbooked how like you knew this was a big issue or like you felt extra bad when jensen had to cancel a tattoo appointment it was like because i'll i have a a cm punk inspired tattoo on my neck and it means a lot to me and it's like it's kind of ironic because the whole thing is like pma and positive mental attitude and i feel like he literally had like the great bomb right but like um, I loved the idea of it being, however, I turn my head, like this idea of a, a positive mental attitude. It has the Chicago stars on it. I am from Chicago. Like it, it really means a lot to me. Um, and hit me at a really pivotal point in my life and hearing talk, Jensen talk about how formative, um, Cody was in like his fandom and that he was on the, the wrestling team with him and how he'd been waiting literally decades for this moment. And like had a tattoo planned around it. I was like, oh man, <laughs> I felt so bad for him. We should invite him to do a run in if he wants, but I think he, I think he aired his grievances with Jeremy already earlier this week. Um, but the other thing is Joel, I gotta be honest, night two of WrestleMania feels like six years ago at this point. Like it really does. so much has happened. You and I have both done a ton of streams, but like so much wrestling news has happened. Like WWE merged the company. Jay White showed up in AEW. They announced Wembley. Um, they announced the draft, which was probably the biggest deal of all. Uh <laughs> oh, yeah, no, totally. That was everyone. I, I just love how you know what? This this is my the best part about that whole like segment. Going into it, they they dropped the Triple H has a big announcement. And everyone, including myself, I mean, I was more joking about it, but like everyone said, oh, not this shit again. Or he's just going to do the same thing that he did on Monday. And then, Kate, he comes out and he starts doing the exact same promo he cut on Monday. And then he hit us all with the reverse Uno, and I loved it. I thought it was just silly, funny, stupid shit. Uh, and, you know, it's good to see that the draft is coming back. So we'll see he where just- that goes. It's good to see competition influencing competition because Tony Khan also hypes up announcements that aren't that big of a deal and they turn out to be like fucking Shazam or whatever. So I, <laughs> I'm just glad to see Triple H taking that approach. They should let Jeff Jarrett do the announcements. All right. <laughs> what, Knock it off. Pipe no, down. He might add in like a Bluetooth read here and there, but at least he would like get the crowd hype. You know what? To be honest, like that is if he's like the live events coordinator or whatever, he probably should be doing those announcements. But they apparently designated Adam Cole to be like the announcement giving man. It's I <laughs> wish that they would just stop and having it be Adam Cole doing the announcements and have it be Chugs doing the announcements. 
just be like there is a hard line difference between chugs and chugs is like hey i was just uh playing resident evil 4 and tk gave me a call and said uh, i gotta talk about wembley rumbley stadium so uh all right i'm gonna go back to playing resident evil 4 but uh, very here for that very here for a chugs announcement <laughs> he just shows up and people are just like donating bits to a stream they're not even running on AEW. it's perfect it is um and i i feel bad because i like didn't have a chance to listen but you covered for me on friday i was watching independent wrestling doing commentary on independent wrestling so it feels like <laughs> that on twitter it's like you know when you see pictures of presidents and they look like they aged decades in a four-year period that's how i felt after wrestlemania week it was like that um <laughs> <laughs> I'm like that exhausted and worn out by it. But you're right where you and I left off was like a great night one. So much momentum going into night two. Jensen coming on here and pouring his heart out. Jeremy trolling, but actually being really excited for his friend. And then it feels like such a weird momentum shift. And it, those have happened a lot over the past year to year and a half. And it's happened on a dime. I actually did like a a media scrum sans um bearing the roster or spin drift on night one of the indie shows that I did with Chris from WrestleNomics. And we were just talking about that exact thing of like how quickly it feel like it felt like WWE was like back in it baby for like up until about January. And then it just started to feel like things evened out because AEW picked back up. WWE was kind of coming back down to earth after a bunch of new hires and changes. And then all of a sudden it felt one like big return. What'd you say? And one big return, real big return, which I'm sure we'll get into, but it was so funny. Like from the second Cody's shoulders hit that map, man, <laughs> night two, it has felt like everything is, is flipped around. Um, but yeah, into it we all sat there on the watch along when cody lost and i think most people ended up having a similar reaction just being like oh it's a dusty finish oh they're gonna bring someone out oh they're gonna restart the match oh this is gonna happen oh this can't be it oh he's walking up the ramp oh the pyro starting oh the lower third oh there's this trademark signature oh they're throwing to the end of the video package uh fade to black that's what happened. That's the show. People were, there were a lot of feelings in the room. It was a, to me, a fundamentally bad call. And I didn't even want Cody to win. <laughs> like from a, from a taste standpoint, the story hasn't been for me. It was absolutely the worst idea to derail the story you had with Sammy for the guy that you handpicked to dethrone Roman and then to give it to neither of them. Um, just feels like such a weird call. And I was like, okay, well, they're going to build Cody back up. Alex Velowski had said, like, they should have him win it on SmackDown at the Garden. Like, you want to finish the story, finish it where, but where your dad was. Like, that that would mean something. Roman would get his thousand days. Uh, people thought SummerSlam. After the Monday after Raw, which I think was, way more damaging than night two of wrestlemania yeah um i don't even now i'm like cody's not the guy like it it doesn't feel to me that cody's the guy in their estimation 
So I think Cody's still the guy. I think they're going to make they're going to put Brock, they're going to put him over Brock. It's going to be the that John Cena. Well, he's white, so yeah. Yeah, so 10 years ago they did the John Cena Brock Lesnar match as Cena was coming off of the loss to The Rock and they made a big deal out of it. Brock losing his first big match coming back. Cody lost his big main event match at WrestleMania. Like there's there's there is a bit of a story there. And and I said in our in in the details in this video, I said like could it be better? 100%. Should this be Brock's first challenger? Yeah, that'd be pretty cool. But there's a little bit of a story to be told of just two guys who want a title match even though Brock quote can't get another one. Uh, it's WWE. They'll they'll work at any reason to give him another title shot if they have to. That was a Roman only stipulation or whatever. Right? Yeah, exactly. And so I, I have no doubt that if Cody wins, Brock will come back after Cody wins the title and they'll do another title program with Brock and Cody. Maybe just get Cody and Brock, like get Brock off Cody's back once and for all. There again, I'm I'm willing to trust this and give this a little more rope than I have other times when it comes to WWE main event stories, only because this is one time where I'm seeing further down the line what they're trying to do. I'm taking the Roman part out of this because Roman has Roman has that deal. He can FO and come back right into the fold as and it and it should F O are you using curse letters? I already tried this earlier. I used the F earlier. It's it's over. We're demonetized. It's game. Get over. the F out of here. We're gonna get seen again. It's done. No, but the, the 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 idea here being that you know Roman is gonna be gone until probably Saudi in May when he hits that thousand days. Um, almost like maybe that shouldn't be the guy that has your title in that case, Joel, or don't both of your titles. Don't get me wrong. I agree with you, but all I can do now, instead of getting frustrated by it, is try to look at no. where they're going to take it next. For me, getting angry at it makes me not enjoy wrestling. For me, it's a puzzle. Wrestling is always a puzzle. Where I see the storytelling going and where I see the brains behind the operation turning, that's what intrigues me. So I noticed that the Cody story is now going to become a bit of a that John Cena crisis of conscience story. And, and yes, I'm seeing people chat like, I can stop watching. I can't. I'm a completionist, and that's probably my worst trait when it comes to wrestling is that I'll say, yeah, I'll take a break. But then five hours later, I'm back on it. I'm telling everybody. I review this nonsense, and that's my fault. Um, yeah, exactly. So I, my feeling with Cody is just like... I'm seeing the kind of story they're telling here. I understand completely why people are getting turned off. I'm not going to take that away from anybody. I understand why they're frustrated about night two. I get it. I would be too. I was too. And now I'm just like, okay, reset, move on. Now they have to hook a bunch of people back in. Yeah, I'm trying to be rational, Chad. I know. It's um, it's just so fundamentally the wrong call. Because you've now middled your two top baby faces. And now Brock is heel. I no, saw no. the the best like phrase that I saw about it was I think his handle is it Alan Cheapshot who's always posting like the retro stuff that's really good. Yeah. He said you can't put the toothpaste back in the tube and that's exactly what it feels like to me. So 100%. yes. 100%. I 100% agree that they will be chasing that moment for the rest of the foreseeable future. And I think that part alone is just the just the dirt worst reason why he should like Cody should have won. This is the reason. Now they're going to be sitting there trying to like 
figure out where it's going to be big enough next time. When the reality is you had, you had it, you had everyone salivating for it. And it's, if you were going to have Roman retain, you could have just have, um, Sammy have the moment at least, I guess there is like a fundamental issue of what do you do with the Usos? But like, if you were going to have someone lose anyway, and then you could have just built Cody up and you could have done something so much more productive with him and the IC title and the US title. The IC triple threat was by far match of the night for night two. Um, but I just don't understand. There's there's nothing that makes wrestling sense behind it, which makes me think it might have had to do with they're merging the company. They wanted to keep everything status quo whatever but it's like there's not really any value in roman getting a thousand days like in a real way and if he's not gonna be around like that means neither show really has a title at this point like (laughs) so i've heard that that argument about not wanting to upset the status quo from from a few people and my general response to that is cody is the most company guy of company guys you can think of who can march in or not even march, just saunter into any boardroom or any press event and toe the line, sound great, make everybody love him. I don't see this as a, as like a corporate idea. I just saw it as like a, someone said, no, we got to keep going with Roman. Another idea that came to mind that I kind of liked was that all of the record books in WWE right now are filled with like older older wrestlers holding these history markers. I'm not saying that Roman should get all the way to the Bruno number. Like he shouldn't overtake Bruno San Martino for title holder, but you know, thousand days puts him at least in a place where he's with the Hogan's and with, uh, who was, Oh my God, Pedro Morales. I think it was, um, he's up there. The, The idea being that you're modernizing your history a little bit and making wrestling feel a little, newer a little refreshed they're doing it with gunter as well they're doing it with bianca belair as well they're you know bianca's over a year it's her birthday today by the way happy birthday bianca belair and uh they're doing it with gunter they've had him hold on and he's had a great title run making the intercontinental championship mean something again can we right but what my thing is is this title doesn't mean crap anymore the other issue of cody losing here is that he lost in the same freaking way Yes, Roman was every single match the same way. Yeah, and now twice they've had really big moments where they could have made it different. Yeah, again, they just didn't. I go back to a full agreement there. It should have been like that. It should have been, should have been Cody. Should have won. They shouldn't have ran the same playbook that they do with Roman. Let's get these super chats out of the way because then we can actually open the show 15 and a half minutes later. Okay, please read them while I plug in my light because I look like I'm broadcasting from the shadows and this was a very chaotic setup. Thank you. You got a potato. Uh, Doc saying, just dislike things like a man, Joel. I do dislike things. I talk about things I dislike. Just like them like a man, Joel. Just like them like a man. Okay, fine. I, I didn't realize my camera was still on. So that's, that's my butt if you guys wanted to see it. There I mean, go. I just see a, a back of a chair and a sweater and now I see the stupid pale anyway i do dislike things i just don't i just don't harp on it let them do that yeah roman three joel harp 
Uh, and Beautiful instrument, and you know it. Christopher Spires with a nice super chat saying, after Raw, I'm taking a WWE break. I'm so sick of the bloodline and Roman time, at least. Uh, get one title off of him on Raw. There's no world title moving forward, and that makes no sense to me. I get it. I get it. Again, with the with the brand split in the draft, there's opportunity to do it. Unless they're brand splitting the freaking titles. This is stupid. Yeah. And I'm hoping that whatever this, you know, whatever hype they're putting behind the draft includes some sort of accentuation of the titles because it needs to be done. Uh, do not get me wrong. I am fully in the camp that the actually I don't mind a floating world champion, but I need a floating world champion who actually floats and doesn't just show up once a month. Yeah, you're supposed to do double duty, not less duty. Yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine with the champion. That <laughs> Head <runs>. duty. <laughs> there was enough of that in my life today. Um, <laughs> oh, there, by the way, they, so we had some some technical difficulties earlier. That's why we were late. Uh, and then we'll actually do the plugs thing because that's important. Uh, the one thing in this office that I prefer my my one year old not touch. And there's a lot of tech in here. There's a lot of like there's there's TVs. There's expensive instruments behind you. There's, there's there's he can touch the instruments. That's fine because I keep an eye on him anyway. And like he he's got like a, an old laptop on a little chair that he can like bang on and stuff. And it's fine. There's there's just tech all over this room. The one thing in this room that I don't want him to touch, and I have I have a plastic cover for the damn thing, and that's my board, my my soundboard. Why? I walk around for five minutes trying to clean some stuff up today. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, God bless my wife. She's got him on her on her lap, up on this chair, and he's playing with the faders. And I'm like, oh, the one thing, the one thing. She's like, yeah. Every time I see him in here with you, it's covered. I'm like, it's covered for a reason. <laughs> it is covered for a reason. That's expensive stuff. It's, it's I was having an issue stuff. with my headphone jack, so I had to switch computers that I was on. For me, it's just all presets. So I was like, uh, where was everything? Uh, oh, God, yeah. Then I'm like shouting at you if something else. <laughs> no, that's fine. It all works out. But anyway, let's uh, let's get to these the, the actual plugs because you got to toss a thumbs up on the video, by the way, and leave us a comment if you're watching us live on YouTube.com slash Fightful Overbooked. Uh, if you're in the chat, we're seeing you. We love you. We appreciate you. Hello. How are you? Uh, happy Easter. Happy Passover. Happy anything you're subscribed to this weekend. Hope you're enjoying it. And if you're not subscribed to anything, why not subscribe to us here at Fightful Overbooked? <laughs> Yeah, and while you're at it, send us your super chats. We already got a couple. We appreciate that. You can keep sending them in. It's that little dollar sign in the chat window on Fightful Overbooked. And anything you do supports Fightful Overbooked, gets people paid because that's kind of important. So with that in mind, and while y'all are dropping your thumbs up on the video, Kate, we got to talk about we got to talk about Monday Night Raw. <laughs> we do have to talk about Monday Night Raw. We don't really. We can talk around it because the big story was what was happening backstage at the end of the day with Vince being not even backstage from gorilla. Yeah, exactly. Sends, like out, uh, sends out his son-in-law and then son-in-law comes back and son-in-law's like, Hey, you can, uh, you can leave the chair now, old man. He's like, I never left. And he did the rest of the show. He did do the rest of the show. He, um, so I didn't get to watch SmackDown, but it it calmed. It sounds like it like calmed some people's fears about things. Yeah, which is good, I think. But we'll I guess see like week over week what things look like. Um, but I, it was 
for a Raw that, like, you left WrestleMania night too, people were disappointed, right? And then you had a Raw where um, people's expectations were high. Like, some people were even saying, like, Cody wins back tomorrow. Or, um, you know, they at least set things up. Or we get some surprise returns or whatever. We got Matt Riddle and three hours of nonsense wall to wall. And you know what? For all the shit that people gave Riddle returning or just the return in general, I would have brought him back on Friday the way that they did. Yeah, that that would have actually made more sense. That was perfect. That was like picking up a story from six months ago. They wrote him off the same way that they brought him back going after the guy who took him out. You could have just brought him back Friday and left Monday as like a nothing burger show as it already was. Matt Riddle's return just kind of got lost in the shuffle of shit. It really did. And it, um, it was like the worst of both scenarios of, um, like you, it like already felt anticlimactic. So it was like, you brought him back. He was the only thing and people felt kind of like let down by it anyway. And then on top of that, you could have just brought him back in the context that made more sense on SmackDown. I think people thought if Matt Riddle was coming back, he'd be coming back with Randy Orton. And that would have been like the move to go for. Did you see the photo that Kim, Randy's wife, posted with him? And then a bunch of... I did not. A bunch of like the news outlets were like, Randy Orton looks totally different. And I'm like, no, he just looks like the penis head Orton from like 2009, just a little older. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what your engagement's all about here, pal. (laughs) Oh, God. Emmy Solko sends the super chat saying, does anything get Vince out at this point? Jimmy Van posited a pretty solid uh, idea that the CNBC exclusive that uh, Vince did with Ari Emanuel was just Ari being nice until they could possibly kick him out uh, when they elect the board once the merger goes through. I don't see that as impossible, but again, that gets him out. Something absolutely heinous gets him out. He doesn't control the entirety of Endeavor. He controls Nuko, and even then he's got a boss. So he can he can still get booted. He's just He's the boss of the company that he runs. He's just not the boss of the company that owns the company that he runs. Yeah, no, he's not going anywhere. Like, there's just not... Maybe things will keep away from creative. I think a decline in results probably would. Um, If attendance starts going down, if ratings start start going down, they'll probably, like, shimmy him to something different. But there's... He's going to die in the chair. That's part of why they merged with Endeavor, I think. It was either that or Saudi Arabia, because Vince can stay in power. Yeah. And I don't think Ari Emanuel exactly gave you a vote of confidence for like the ethics. No, not at all. Given, given the owner on the other side, there's, there's an interesting take that once the merger goes through, what does Vince do? Cause he came back specifically to look for someone to work with and to merge with. Then it was, Oh yeah, I would leave if, I get the right deal. Well, the right deal for Vince was always he gets brought on with whatever the merger is. Um, so again, what happens once the merger goes through? Is he going to try and take over creative again? Odds are he's probably going to try it. But if everything goes to shit, then he has a larger group of people that he has to, you know, he has to speak to. He has to look to. He has to talk to. He has to face. So. 
Yeah, I mean, it is. He's less in control in his own destiny in that way. Um, and, and no, not another allegation would do it. Uh, not another heinous allegation would do it because look who look who's in charge of the company that is currently closing in on the merge with WWE. They didn't do anything to him. And they just ran a pay-per-view last night. And who was at the pay-per-view? Someone who was recently indicted by the New York Grand <laughs> Grand uh, Supreme Court, I guess it was, uh, Grand Jury. Uh, the guy who's a piece of shit WWE Hall. Well, I guess that's the other guy, too. Two piece of shit WWE Hall of Famers and another questionable one who uh, yeah, has his own brand of CTE going. Yeah. And like all a bunch of praise to the crypto scammer and, and Logan Paul too. Like it just, uh, I don't think like the moral compass is something that anybody's super concerned about over there. They Vince was on his way out and Ari Emanuel was like, well, we weren't just going to let him walk away from wrestling. And to Jimmy Vance point, as you mentioned, it was like, to what benefit? Like why? Um, when he left ratings went up, <laughs> live attendance went up the morale in the locker room went up creative got better um and like that's all outside of the the moral compass like let the guy leave and buy it anyway <laughs> and again there is a possibility that they brought him in really just to sweet talk him and be like the only way you'll come in is if you come in with us well guess what you're coming in with us but we're gonna own 51 percent of the shares anyway your voting power is not going to be nearly as big here as it was there. And therefore other people can start working towards potentially getting rid of him. So it's not that Vince has a hundred percent or the 81% that he has now in WWE by the middle of 2023 or 2024, I should say, because the merger is supposed to end at the end of the year uh, or supposed to close by end of year by the middle of 2024, he could be gone. There's an entirely possible outcome where Vince is just seen as done and we don't need him anymore and let's get rid of him. But we don't know what that looks like or where it would happen or how they'd get around to it. I don't think they have any interest in actually taking on the the vehicle of WWE because that's also like you're dealing with an entirely different um, business, business model, live event coordination, stakeholders. I think they think, I think they bought the narrative that you can't do anything without Vince like that. You can't, um, that's not sustainable without Vince. I think the other way, I think they took the narrative that Vince won't sell without Vince, but that doesn't mean Vince has to stay once the sale is completed or once the merger in this case is completed. There's an, again, there's an opportunity to say, well, you know what really sucked about Vince McMahon, everything, you know, what didn't suck about Vince McMahon, his daughter, so why don't we start working to bring her back? And how do you get her back? Well, you get rid of the old man. If there's something going on there, it would kind of be a, uh, you know, not quid pro quo, but you know what I'm trying to say? It would be turnabout is fair play. That's what you or I would do. I don't have confidence that they will. We'll find out in the middle of next year, and then we'll look back at uh, April 4th, April 9th, I should say, 2023. Anyway, Ross. We will find out. <laughs> Diana drops us a super chat. Says that Raw was as boring as my mother-in-law speaking. I like my mother-in-law. She's a very nice woman. Aww. But I think this is uh, specifically Princess Diana from Beyond telling us her mother. From the Beyond, yes. Princess Di does chime in from time Happy to time. And we appreciate you. 
Happy Thatcher Death Day, by the way, dears. Love your work. Love you too, Princess Diana. Love you every day. <laughs> you have to watch it in video to really get it, friends. Audio just doesn't cut it sometimes. It's true. It's true. The emotion. The emotion. Yes. That's right. I am a Canadian, so I have to support the something archy. The something archy. The anarchy, isn't it? It's a, they're called the anarchy. Sure. Mm -hmm. Sounds good. Princess Diana, the Dianarchy. There you go. Nailed it. Yes. Nailed it. All right. What else from Raw was interesting other than absolutely nothing? Um, Seth Rollins singing. That happened. Did he? I, he was. He was. He was there. He came out. He conducted. The camera mm. was like, "Your segment that's going on right now. We're changing it." And he was like, "What?" That's I about it. Happened. <laughs> was... And there were some women's matches that happened. There was a women's match that happened. There was a women's match that happened. There was supposed to be two triple threats that became one tag thing, I think. Uh, yeah, it became the tag with Raquel Rodriguez and Liv Morgan taking on Dakota Kai and Io Sky. And Bailey was left backstage to not be brought on. I heard some. I heard some interesting ideas about why they left Bailey backstage. She lost at WrestleMania. She ate the pin. She put damage control in the match to begin with at WrestleMania, where again, she lost and ate the pin. And then there's talk of wanting to get rid of damage control, but you want to protect the biggest star out of there, which happens to be Bailey. Vince could have been like, no, you stay back. Sorry. I got it. No, you stay back. They're going to go out without you because they're going to lose anyway. And then everybody looks dumb. But Bailey's not there to look dumb twice. I think you thought about it more than they did. Oh, it wasn't me who thought about it. <laughs> yeah. No, they they also did not. Um, well, you don't think Bailey wasn't the best used person under Vince McMahon's WWE? No, or Triple H's, by the way. Like if if we're saying that like the Triple H era was from SummerSlam till let's say the end of the year, I thought the booking was also shit for her then. Um, but I, um, I, I that was one of the more disappointing things of the Triple H era because I was like the women's division is gonna rock because I watched what happened to NXT and it was amazing. Yeah, I think um, what happened there was that uh, one of Triple H's daughters decided, no, I'm not gonna be a wrestler after all, Dad, and he was like, no, forget it. Send it off to the done. done. Forget it. Done. We don't need to worry about this anymore. Nope. If the Rock's daughter comes up. Maybe we'll start caring then. But even then, even then, it's like a it's a maybe. She doesn't <laughs> she doesn't want to be billed as his kid. Forget it. Um. Someone saying I think Bailey will do great in MLW. <laughs> her her and real one can have a, a title match. No, I don't think she's going anywhere, but I do think damage control is splitting up, and it has to. You've neutered them at every possible turn you could. Yeah, yeah, it's time. It's time to, to figure out a new a new thing for them. Let's talk about something that actually didn't suck, and that was the Bad Bunny angle. I liked how they incorporated Bad Bunny. I like how they're starting to set up for Backlash. Yes, as do I. And I also like that Damian Priest, they brought up that they were friends, that they tagged together at WrestleMania, that they were you know, they were tight and now they're not because as we found out on SmackDown, Damien Priest was being a real piece of shit. And we'll talk about SmackDown because that promo to me was really fun. But uh, yeah, they're, um, 
they, they set it up well on Raw. What do you think of that? I actually thought it was pretty good. I have not been a fan of any of the Dominic Mysterio stuff, um, but this was the way to do it. This was the way to do it for sure. If you're if you're gonna do it, this is the way, not the faction the way. Um, they were pretty good though. They were the best. I missed them. Um, I think Bad Bunny is like extremely like they struck gold. I don't think that anybody could have known they had with that guy. Like he comes off as such like a sincere, genuine person. He sold better than half the roster with the spot with Damian Priest. He, um, he just seems to like sincerely really love it. And I think that's awesome. And I also like that they called back to the fact that Damian Priest and him were buddies when, when it came in. So that was a much more effective segment than pretty much everything on the show. Let's fast forward to SmackDown because the promo that came from Judgment Day after Triple H announced the draft was one that I particularly really liked. And by the way, Ella J, my favorite, ah! my favorite co-host on the run sheet. Go check out the run sheet, by the way. We drop episodes every Wednesday really? on your favorite podcast platforms. Just search the run sheet pod. You'll find it there. Hi, besties. Bad Bunny and Judgment Day will be fun. I think it will be fantastic. And I think it'll be it, it'll be Bad Bunny and the LWO or whatever they're going to call the God of the Fantasma. There's so much there that I'm excited to get into. Rhea Ripley comes out with Judgment Day. Of course, she's just like, I won. I'm the best. Bow to me. And that's fine because, again, she won the title. So she doesn't have to, you know, we don't have to set something up right away. Let's have her bask in the glory of winning the title, right? Good start. Sure. Um, it's just like, are you going to build it out right is the only thing that I'm concerned about there. Um, we found out later who the potential challenger is going to be. Yeah. And I think I'd rather it be set up organically like that than have it be Rhea's talking. And then all of a sudden music hits and they're like, Oh, you suck. Congratulations champ. But I'm your next challenger because I deserve a title shot. I like the way we did it instead. I kind of appreciate your impression of how things get set up that way though. In NXT, they bring out five people to set that up. That's right. I call it the parade of challengers. Challengers on parade. <laughs> um, that's very funny and accurate. In my yes. eyes, they they play stars and stripes forever while they bring out the five. Very nicely done. Very nicely done. <laughs> anyway, so Rhea doesn't. <laughs> and then Balor, Finn Balor uh, puts a nice bow on the edge situation and says, yeah, I lost. I got 14 staples in my head, but I'm here and edge isn't. And I'm like, eh, good enough. As long as we're clear of this whole edge and Balor shit, I'm good. Oh my God. Go. And then Dominic. Kate, in the year 2023, you cannot sit here and tell me that you still dislike Dominic as a performer. Sure I can. No, you can't. You just can't. That arena viscerally booing the ever-loving shit out. You can't dislike it. You're not he, allowed to. He's allowed a to shitty him. promo. He's shitty he's not, in no, the ring. No, absolutely not. He has no acting ability. He cannot deliver everything he says. He could be like, my house burned down with my entire family inside of it. And it would have the exact same, exact same intonation as... Spend too much time with Pulaski. 
No, he sucks. He's no. not good. No, he's, he's not good. He is, he is fundamentally not good at his job. The creative around him got significantly better. I've, I I know people loved the match. The fact he couldn't do any any moves that his dad or his fake dad does is pathetic. Um, it's not, I don't think he's a good wrestler. I think the creative around him has gotten better, but I, I mean, he can't, Joel, he can't do a six, one, nine. I give a shit if he can't do a move. I give a shit if he can cut a promo and he did cut a promo. This Great. Week. I like to watch wrestlers that can wrestle. And his I promo is not good. He has no intonation in his voice at all. No, I disagree. And I disagree with Doc saying, well, the material is good. Dom is not, period. I disagree with that. No, Doc's dead on with that. No, I disagree with that. I think the material and the wrestler have vastly improved. I think you've got Dominic who comes out and basically says, you know, I didn't want to hit my dad. I love my dad. He just came off like such a giant shithead of a kid. He was just this absolute, just a entitled brats and it was perfect he understands the role now much better than he did when he was oh shucks my daddy's boy this is so much better for him and he is surrounded by the right people he's surrounded by industry veterans minus uh rhea ripley but he's got two guys side by side who have been in the business for a long time and have been in the wwe system for quite a few years themselves 90 percent of what you're saying has nothing to do with him as a performer no, nope. if you take away all of those things from him, he's not good. Disagree. The most interesting things about Dom are everybody else around him. You no, 100%. not here for it at all. Disagree. Is Dom the best heel in WWE? Chris Spires asked. Absolutely. I think he's one of one of the best heels in WWE right now. Absolutely yeah. not. Mustafa Ali entertains me more in the 18 seconds that they give him on screen, and he's about a million times the in-ring wrestler. But so he can complain about being positive. Ali bad at this gimmick. It's over the top. Sure, it's fine, but like, no, the toxic positivity thing is fantastic. No, I like when people can tell a story in the ring. Dominic cannot tell a story in the ring. What what stories are you looking to be told in the ring? I don't know. If you build to a match with your dad for a year, you should probably be able to do at least one of his moves consistently well. Or if you want to play into the Eddie Guerrero's my dad thing, you should probably be able to do a better frog splash than looking like you're falling off the top rope. That is in-ring storytelling. That is why I watch. I am so freaking bored by people pretending that Dominic is good. I don't, I don't, I don't give a crap about how much like the crowd is eating this up. If you can't cut a promo and you can't tell a story in the ring, I'm not interested. I am bored out of my mind. Absolutely not. It's a shame that you would be uh, just sitting there, arms crossed, not having a fun time. Do you boo Ali, Kate? I think that's a good idea. That's a good question. Do you boo him or do you look at him and just say, I like this character. It's fun. Uh, he hasn't been in the ring, so I haven't had a chance to. But Ali, I can tell you, his, last week. his music video of uh, where he was basically burying. Um, what is that? Was the Hoobastank video? Oh, it was so good. It was fine. It was so great. It didn't make me want to boo him. It just he hasn't had a chance to get in the ring yet without getting like squashed. I'm sure he's going to be eating a big boot from beer. Oh, that's the story. By the way, Ella, who gets everything right, says she's team troll with this one. You guys are entitled to your opinion. If you take away 
the things around him, this whole thing falls apart. If you're viewing him as a top heel in the company, I think the thing that at least has to be that this needs to be standing on the shoulders of is Dominic Mysterio. And it freaking isn't. It is Rhea Ripley. It is everybody around him. No, 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 no. Chris Fire is saying heels don't have to be good in the ring. Not always about the moves. It's about the emotion. He gets the best reactions on TV. It's and not I- a reaction for me. Good for him for getting TV reactions. I, You asked me if I think he's good. I do not. He can't deliver a line that emotionally invests me in any way. It's completely go away. He he sucks. I'm not here for it. <laughs> I, I will never understand what's... Uh, what Have you seen him cut an effective promo on his... His whole character is, I went to my dad's house with Rhea Ripley for a holiday. <laughs> nope. Boring. Yeah, and then Same I, thing. Recycled and then I crap. Jail, and then I um, went to jail. And then I learned this in jail when really he learned nothing. And I'm an entitled piece of shit 25-year-old kid. Yeah, no, I get it. I'm not interested if you can't execute a story in the ring. It's boring to me. Dan Barry? Best part of the story. (laughs) Bring him back. Have him guard the NXT parking lot. He knows what he's doing. Yeah, (laughs) that's going to be the gimmick he brings up. Uh, Not for me. Not for me. If you, like, man, it's been a year and a half and you can't hit a 619. Soko knows. He gets it. Dom brings that street realness. He's WWE's Eddie Kingston. <laughs> move along. Move along, Joel. You're, oh never, you're never covering Fridays again. I have no trust or faith in you at all. I'm going to keep this one up for a few minutes because I think it's just right. <laughs> move along. I just want him to cut a, a promo in an Eddie Kingston style. Just like do the, the, the gruff Eddie Kingston voice. That's what I want. Now, no. Ask, who's had bigger go away heat? Dom or Baron Corbin? Dom, because I think there's more people that feel like I do, where I think with Baron Corbin, more people feel like it's the trash creative that's got thrown at him over and over and over again. Because there were a lot of people that really liked um, the whole bet on his luck stuff. I think a lot of people were like, why are you pairing this dude with JBL? I would rather watch a Baron Corbin and Rey Mysterio match than I would a Dominic Mysterio and Rey Mysterio match. It'll be the same 100%. Corbin, though. Corbin, Corbin's really good with like smaller high-flying dudes. Like That's actually his wheelhouse, I feel like. He should be somebody's heavy. Okay, I don't I don't disagree with that. The problem is he's too big. <laughs> to be a heavy? Yeah. <laughs> he's too big and lanky, is what I should say. I was like, too big to be a heavy. All right, I meant he's too big. He's too lanky as a character to be someone's heavy. Um, and then Shytown Spurs with the super chat saying, I think you're both right. Dama's done a really good job with the character, but the moment this feud is over, he's totally lost. Okay, I don't disagree, but I want to see where the bad bunny stuff goes. And I honestly I said this on WrestleMania. I think that this is all going to end up with a mask versus hair match. And inevitably that'll be Ray's goodbye match. And it'll be Ray versus Dom one-on-one where it'll happen. I think it could happen next year's WrestleMania in Philly. They'll, they'll separate again for a period of time and then come back for the major, major events, do the tag matches, so on and so forth. But uh, let's say Dom wins King of the ring. He'll be extra obnoxious. Kate. No, can he learn moves? If you could learn moves, I'd be interested. Is Dom the most improved wrestler in WWE right now? No, no I don't think he's the most improved wrestler. I think, he's the one who's, I think he's the one who's had the biggest turnaround in terms of reaction and in terms of just 
comfort and um, confidence. Sure, yeah. If you get three segments a night on Raw and one or two on SmackDown, that should do it because he alone has had more screen time than the entire women's division. But um, no, Tiffany Stratton and Angela Dawkins are probably my two most improved. Yeah, no, I agree with that completely. Uh, and Natty put uh, put over Angelo Dawkins hard in our interview, which is now up on YouTube.com slash Fightful. Did you see the Cardona interview? I did, but you there's some names on the floor behind you that you keep <laughs> dropping. Oh, shit. It's just my kid. It's okay. <laughs> it's just my kid. You're a poor kid. In 25 years from now, you're going to be like fighting him. Hoping to God he has a job and lives out of the house. I know. Oh, I hope he doesn't come to your place for whatever holiday is next on a social media exclusive. <laughs> oh, he's going to have to get some security anyway. Yeah. He, Cardona didn't roast me. I roasted Matt Cardona. I promise. That's what mm-hmm. happened. Anyway, uh, main event, Jey Uso versus Sami Zayn. Uh, a really good match. I'll give you that. The build up to it throughout the night was very interesting in that it was Sammy being this like obnoxious guy that he is and KO being don't do it. Don't go talk to Jay. And then Sammy being like, you're right. I'm gonna go talk to Jay. And I, I'd like that. And it ends up being KO's downfall. He gets, you know, taken out backstage and uh, it ends up costing Sammy the match. Jay Uso wins the match. What do you think of this whole thing? Um, not like what I want to see probably for the tag team champions initially, but not bad. I just feel like I just don't know what's going on with the bloodline right now. I feel like a return shot kind of stinks. I don't understand why the Usos have any loyalty to Roman Reigns right now. Um, he did not help in their tag team title match. Solisakoa did not help in their tag team title match. They did help in his main event match. And I feel like there hasn't really been any clarity around, like, shouldn't they be pissed off about that? Why? They, they finished their story. <laughs> oh, no, they didn't. We're in the third inning, Joel. I'm so excited for the ninth inning. When do we do the seventh inning stretch? When does that happen? Is that Conor McGregor, me? Roman Reigns, 2050 yeah. WrestleMania. I was going to say fifth at, at WrestleMania in Philly, they're going to do, or they're going to do WrestleMania in Chicago at Wrigley Field, and they're going to do, they're going to do a seventh inning stretch, a traditional seventh inning stretch. There you go. They'll have uh, Harry Carey's voice over the PA <laughs> to take me out to the ball game. The Ivy will be growing. Take me out to the island of relevancy. <laughs> oh, no. Don't give them ideas. This is what happens. You say dumb stuff and it gets manifested. If we're going to manifest stuff, at least let it be like giving me a million dollars or something. <laughs> I can't even manifest that for myself. <laughs> <laughs> I could get y'all to give me super chats. That's great. I don't even, I don't even get the super chats. Oh, no. I just uh, show up and hope to God someone pays me later. Um, Shotzi and Natalia drop a match to live Morgan Royal Rodriguez en route to their title match on Monday. And then, oh, Brawl and Brutes had a banger of a match with Imperium. That was a really good opener. Um, don't know what's going on with Drew because he was pulled from the show late with health issues saying, but uh, yeah, that that three, that triple trios match, not triple threat. Uh, the triple threat was amazing at WrestleMania, but the six man was really fun. Did you get a chance to watch it? I saw some highlights, but I didn't get to see the full match. 
I will seek that one out because that's going to be, I'm sure it was an absolute banger of a match. As the after kids. Banger after banger. It was fun. All right. Well, if we're not going to go to Wrigley Field for WrestleMania, we can probably go to Wembley Stadium for All In. You want to talk, hey! about, talk about the big announcement? Some people got upset with me because I said it's not that big. Um, it's yeah. literally big. It's, it's like a hundred thousand people, Joel. Literally very large. Yes, I don't think it was worth a Tony Khan has a very special announcement. I understand if you're from the UK or just in that neck of the woods, this is a big deal for you, hundred percent, Joel. Yes, Kate. what are your expectations for a Tony Khan announcement? Because the last one was a Shazam partnership. <laughs> for someone who is like pretty key at managing expectations around wrestling, I feel like this is probably actually above grade of what you should expect from Tony Khan. I just like the fact that I called the uh, the draft, and <laughs> people were just like, "I was like, I have a hunch," and they're like, "Why do you have a hunch?" I'm just like, "Because it's been it's been talked about for about six months." <laughs> Yeah, I thought that was entire. The yeah. thing was, it was either going to be trivial or real bad. Yeah. There was no way it was going to be anything that was like great. So that's why, I, like, if I'm praying for something trivial, that's not good. You know what I mean? Yeah, and like, I'll pull this up from Kai. Uh, what's bigger, the draft or the Wembley Stadium? And like, I think Wembley Stadium is legitimately a bigger deal. Um, the one gripe that I have with it, Kate, is it's a week before All Out. And they're doing what they did with Forbidden Door, what they did with Blood and Guts. Yeah, trying to I do agree with that. build. That's tough, and they didn't do a very good job last time, in my opinion. And now they have to do it with two actual events, big events that have actual connotation to their and implications to their storylines. So, as excited as it is, kind of wondering what they're going to do with All Out. My thing was they should have just done Forbidden Door 2 at Wembley. Like, if you're going <laughs> to... You know what I mean? It's easier for Japanese talent to get there. It just makes more sense. Just do that at Wembley. You're going to be pulling a bunch of UK talent in. You could make it more worlds collide Um But it does concern me that they are... They are building toward three events... Two of them are going to be like mashups with other rosters, I'm assuming, because you don't have enough talent within AEW to pull the numbers you need to. For perspective, Arthur Ashe is about 10,000 people. Wembley is 90,000 before you're putting seats on the field. So you're really talking like closer to 100,000. I think if they get 50, they'll be ecstatic. So yeah, there's a few things into play there, right? Um do you have Punk returning? Do you have Mercedes Monet? What's your what's your headliner that is not a UK-based talent that is moving your tickets? The other thing is, is there a UK headliner that's moving your tickets? We're hearing rumors that Drew is not happy with this creative. Um, who knows if there's going to be... I, I never want to wish people losing their jobs upon anything, but like there very well may be a round of cuts between, realistically... Like after WrestleMania, there's usually a round of cuts and I'm guessing with a merger and with what we know about there being like an unofficial hiring freeze, it wouldn't surprise me. I think you probably have, there's yeah, saying it in the chat, like Osprey, if he's cleared, Zack Sabre Jr., you probably rely, rely on people like that. Jamie Hayter versus Soraya, I think is going to be the big 
the big moment there. And I think Soraya probably goes over. So I agree that Soraya and Jamie Hayter possibly even main eventing the show is, is a big deal. And by main eventing, I even just mean going on last. Uh, I know that in the WWE world, it doesn't always mean the same, but in, in AW, it really does. Um, but there's an opportunity there to do Jamie Hayter as the main event. But if Kenny Omega is there and he has a huge match with someone that people need to see him main event against, he will go on last. Uh, and then Jamie will hopefully go on second to last and not first of the night. Um, but then again, if you go on first, it's not always the end of the world. The, um, the question of who comes back, I mean, you bring back CM Punk, for example, and then you go to All Out in Chicago at the United Center the next week. You I, you kind of you burn it. Do you bring CM Punk back after the title match at All In? And then say next week, your ass is mine, and that's the main event. Or have you waited too long at that point that it becomes obvious? You know what I'm trying to say? Kind of. I think maybe CM Punk shows up, but in London, but doesn't fight until Chicago. It feels like CM Punk could sneeze, and he would sell out the United Center. Like doesn't, feel, <laughs> doesn't or at least come close. So I don't think people would be bored. And I think if he does come back, that'll be such a big deal that. I think that momentum lasts you a week and then some. Um, and if it's, if it's CMFTR versus the elite, I think you've got six months of programming that are, <laughs> that you are riding a, a high on. Um, so you could do a big six man main event with whoever's main eventing all out with the people in all in. So let's say for sure. It's the elite. Let's say, oh, let's say somehow Kenny Omega gets the title before we get to when is it? August? No, it's yeah, it's August, late August. Let's say somehow Kenny beats MJF for the title in late August. And then suddenly you're doing whoever's going it all out for the world championship tags up. Let's say it's FTR and your best pal CM Punk against the elite. And then at all out, it's or sorry, all in is. The, the trios that I just mentioned all out is Kenny versus CM Punk and FTR versus the Bucks for the AEW tag titles. That could be really fun. Let's also not forget Jay White just showed up. I don't know who that is. Did they show me any um, videos? <laughs> there was a really upsetting lack of vignettes. Uh <laughs> That's right. I do. I do want to say this. I, I wasn't in love with how they debuted him on Wednesday night. I like, I think it was just the, the timing and the way that it was shot. That's what I didn't love. I love the way he was introduced. I just didn't love the way that they physically brought him out. Does that make sense? It does. I think it's extremely possible that they looked at how vulnerable Raw was on Monday and were like, we're just going to go ahead and move this up to the beginning of the 100%. show yeah. and make it our opening thing. And they might have had different plans entirely. So, And you wanted to keep it a surprise until it wasn't, right? So I, I feel like a lot of segments that are like that don't necessarily unfold in the cleanest way. But I, I hear you. I, I don't know if it... It was the best execution of how it was done, but I think it was an execution in the ballpark of what they wanted for that reason. By the way, shout out to the people who keep saying Nick Aldis is showing up literally everywhere. I've had people talk about Nick Aldis showing up yeah. on NXT, showing up on Impact to 
round out the, the hardcore team with we talked about it on Thursday. Yeah. He's and, he's male Mercedes Monet now. He's yeah, just showing yeah. up at he's gonna show at up at everything. all Yep. Uh, CEO sends a super chat saying, even if the releases were granted or cuts were made, wouldn't the non-compete clauses keep them out of the Wembley show anyway? There is a potential depending on when they would hypothetically happen. And again, we don't want to see anyone lose their jobs, but if they do, uh, main roster talent, they sit 90 days is their non-compete. Uh, NXT talent are typically 30 days. So it comes down and to- Sometimes they don't update their contracts, i.e. Malachi Black. Yes, that, that, that loophole has since been uh, fixed. From what I've been told, <laughs> all this is going to show up everywhere. Uh, thank you, Ricardo, for the super chat. Watching on delay, take my monies. Hopefully, oh, thank you, Ricardo. by the time you get here, you'll still be happy with uh, with the rest of the show. Oh my God, send Nick Aldis to Choco Pro. Let's go. Perfect. Let's I'm do trying. it. What else happened on Dynamite that we enjoyed? We talked about Jay White. The introduction was, you know, it was what it was. I'm interested in seeing how this goes. I've mentioned. Great. Way to bring him in, too, I just feel like. Like, Ricky is a top star without a title picture or a Jericho feud. This is a really, really good um, place to to introduce Jay White to. My general feeling was, from the get-go, when they introduced Finn... Uh, sorry, not Finn. Uh, uh, Juice, because I was thinking Finn Juice. Robinson versus Ricky I've, I've done that so many times. Yeah. <laughs> just called him Finn Juice, and I'm like, nope. <laughs> when they introduced Juice nope. Robinson... And Ricky Starks, I said, this is the conduit through which Forbidden Door will built into June. That's the way I've always seen it. And I thought it was going to turn into Ricky Starks and Action Andretti against Finn Juice. But now that they've got Jay White, I'm guessing there's going to be a little bit more turning into maybe a five on five, a team Starks, team AEW versus a Bullet Club, team New Japan type of thing. Uh, But that's kind of where my brain is in terms of this particular feud. Yeah, I think it could go in that direction. I think that's, um, you know, because Jay White was kicked out of Bullet Club, right? So I'm intrigued to see if they reverse engineer that somehow or if they lean into that because I, I think there's multiple ways you can go. But I thought it was really funny that when the Bullet Club thing flashed and it was Juice Robinson, people were like, it's only Juice. And then they were like, <laughs> we got you. <laughs> I enjoyed that too. I was I just looked at it and I was just like, Juice. All right, where do we go from there? But it's fun. It's good. Uh, Jericho and Adam Colbebe is happening. But first, it's Keith Lee and Chris Jericho. Sure. <laughs> it's going to put Keith Lee and Swerve back on track. It has to, right? I I hope so. I, it was like my favorite feud six months ago. Yeah, don't worry about that. What has happened? Uh, I wonder if Trenchcoat and Parallel Parker are no longer... Because they merged with the embassy. I'm wondering if, <laughs> if those two dudes are gone. Merge into the right lane, apparently. That's right. Oh, um, that would be the right call. I don't understand why you don't just have Sorb out on his own. Like, he's a single star. Just make him a single star. Half have been important singles feuds. But if you insist... I do think it's interesting. I, I'm guessing things are good with Brian Cage, like that it's leaning in the direction of him resigning. Um, yeah, that was really good. I, I was happy to see Brian Cage be the one to come out and beat the shit out of Darby Allen on Rampage to uh, signify the merger between Mogul Affiliates and, uh, and the Embassy. And RIP Darby Allen's face. Who needs that? 
Darby Allen. Darby Allen's back. He doesn't think he does. He landed on his. He did not break his fall. Like that was an insane bump he took. Darby Allen was just like, I got hit by a truck in New York, so you can do whatever you want. He was just like, yeah. Brian Cage was like, bet you can you can do whatever you need to do, Darby Allen. My my dad Sting's not here, so uh, so just, yeah, he won't play. Defenseless. Yeah, I'm fine. Don't worry about it. Just go. Cage is just like looks over at Nana and just like, he for real? Is this what? Is this real? And Nana's like, I don't care. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna get a fight in the back. Am I? Am I? This is gonna. Okay. That's what you do. <laughs> yeah. He was. He just. He just got beat to shit to Darby Allen. Good for him. That's what he. My knows. God. He knows. His like he didn't even fall. try to break the fall. Like he just landed on his self. He just landed on his face. I, I don't insane. deserve to break my fall. Oh, my God. Buddy, you won the match. Yeah, now I have to go atone for those sins of winning. How's mm-hmm. uh, the black against the best friends in Orange Cassidy? Uh, match was fine. Match was good. It all just kind of played out to get to Orange Cassidy versus uh, really Buddy Matthews is the big one. And that's happening on Monday for the – for Wednesday for the uh, – International championship. I erroneously called it the All Atlantic the other week. Uh, that's because I don't know why they changed the name of it. Because people like me are either going to call it the All Atlantic or the Intercontinental. And once Jeff Jarrett wins that title, I swear to God, we're all going to call it the AEW Intercontinental Championship, and he'll have good housekeeping matches ready for us. Like you, if you just wanted to troll me, we don't have to do a show about it. Between the Jeff Jarrett stuff and the Dominic stuff, the Dominic stuff actually brought out a really interesting and fun conversation that piqued our viewership. So you gotta, you, you got, you gotta give it to us. You gotta give us to. Yeah, no, we're great. We're great. Um, I do think uh, that's gonna be a great match. For some reason, I'm just like, I feel like Bud Matt at Orange Cassidy, like chemistry wise, I think that'll be awesome. Right. What is it with people with the last name Lambert? <laughs> Those are my favorite people. Oh, the worst, I tell you. Yeah. Uh, what about Brood Luchasaurus? Brood <laughs> Brutosaurus. I unfortunately don't really have like a big interest in Luchasaurus at this point. I get it. I do. But I'm excited <laughs> to see Brutosaurus. And then the Riho match with Jamie Hader was really good. Not really much to say about it other than like it was a great match. Go out of your way to watch it. What about uh, the acclaim squash with all my favorite people? <laughs> getting there. I'm just going through. <laughs> I want to see if there's a. Oh, we got to talk about MJF. We got to talk about uh, your, your boy. My boy. Singing, singing uh, Panties from Heaven, as I thought it was at first. <laughs> Minimum. There is a quota that MJF has to fill, one musical number per year. Um, I I thought I thought it was really fun. They don't do this a lot, so if you're gonna do it, do it right. Doing it in MJF's hometown was gonna be so fun. There, he's gonna be a face anyway. You might as well just be the silliest ever. The only thing we talked about it at the the Mark Order on Wednesday that was missing was like Jungle Boy had those symbols, and he should have just dong. That's a great way to give CTE, Kate. It is, but you could work it. That's true. I appreciate it. Um, I don't know if you heard the RJ City interview on Talk is Jericho, but they actually go back and forth asking each other questions. 
And at one point, RJ asked Jericho about the New York Times article uh, about me and my shadow, or the, the, you know, the, the, my shadow and me. Yeah. So the one that uh, MJF and Jericho did. And they make no reference to Chris Jericho and they praise MJF throughout the whole thing. So really this was like MJF running with that ball from the last time and uh, doing his own rousing rendition of panties from heaven. It's pennies, Joseph. It's Easter. (laughs) So it could be anything you want it to be. Except right if you're a Jew. (laughs) Well, you know, even that's objective. Uh, Commander and Sammy then happened, and that was a great match. And then Sammy had to cut a promo. What do you think of the Sammy Guevara promo? I feel like it struggled. It's typical Sammy. Yeah, I, I'm trying to remember because there were parts of it that I thought were good, but I can't remember off the top of my head. I was like, he he was kind of dancing around something, and I was I was like, that's what he should have leaned into, but now I can't remember what it was, which is telling in itself, but. Who were you, Max? You were Cody's friend, and then you're not. You were Tony's friend, and then you're not. You were in the inner circle, and then you're not. You sold your soul. I built this brick by brick, moment by moment. I put my heart and soul into it. You can boo me. You can cheer me. I'm not going anywhere. I love AEW. I'm not using this place to go anywhere. I met my wife here. I main evented pay-per-views. Screw Darby Allen. Screw Jungle Boy. Screw MJF. Was any of it that? It was probably the like you leave everybody part. Like if he had just kept going in that direction and like exploited it as him being insecure or whatever. Like it it feel it felt very generic. And I just feel like I don't know. I feel like Sammy's a little stuck in the mug. I think it was not a good idea to just have him keep being Jericho's lackey all the time. Um they had a real opportunity to double turn sammy and scorpio sky in that ridiculous feud and never did and so it kind of just felt like they went back to like let's do it safe i also don't think it's been great for take hotty um because she was like a rising star and now is barely wrestling so um i don't know i don't know i think whenever he's in the ring he does some really impressive stuff and I feel like they need to clear some lines with him of like, I don't know. He, they, they need to figure out something stronger than this for him. I do think the program itself is good, but there was also no, like what worked for me about the Jungle Boy to MJF one the week before, which feels like 65 years ago was like MJF put Jungle Boy over so hard and Jungle Boy gave him some things to lead into. But MJF was like, I felt like I had finally met my match. And from that second, you're like, okay. Um, There was nothing teed up for MJF to like build, build, build and slam me down. Build, build, build. Uh, Your girlfriend thinks you have a small dick. Like there was nothing to to, uh, really tee MJF up to do what he does best with that stuff. So didn't really work. Didn't really work. I'm ready for the four way. Let's just get there. <laughs> I'm really ready for that. I think that's actually a really refreshing program. Yeah. And it's different. And I like it. Uh, we just, we got to get there in a way that I want Max. I want MJF to kind of introduce the four, not the four way, but like the invitational, the pillars invitational where all four men have to face each other or face 
part people of Max's choosing. And then the one with the most wins gets Max at double or nothing. And then it turns out that they all have the same amount of wins by the end of this whole thing. And so they all had to face Max. Cause I don't hate that. They're all about wins and losses, right? Well, no, they got rid of the rankings, but did they? Oh, well, okay. <laughs> uh, I, I don't mind that idea at all. If you can make the numbers work. There's absolutely a way you can do it. You got four guys. MJF should just throw them. Well, you can throw them in there or you can just have like, here's my surrogate, Sean Spears. Sean Spears. Really everybody, everybody pin Sean Spears. Oh, they lose Sean Spears. Pass. But yeah, build it somewhere that like all of these contenders prove that they are worth being a part of a four, being part of the title match. And then they just make it a four way, which is fine. Yeah, I think it's good. I think it'll be different. I think it'll be um, a really, <coughs> excuse me, Bless you. a really productive thing for NJF to do with his title because it's kind of pivoted from he was fighting guys like Moxley and Punk and whatever to now like he's the one being leaned on here to to do some champ stuff like in a in a real way to to make his generation show out and look really good here. So I'm into that. Okay, but then what happens when MJF beats the four pillars and then CM Punk comes out and is just like, I'm better than these guys, and then buries all four pillars of AEW? I think, <laughs> sincerely, um, if you are going to have CM Punk come back, you have to keep him away from MJF as much as you can until it's time for him to either drop the title and win it right back or whatever. Like, I think what they did I, to me, the match with Danielson was better, but that dog collar match was also really, really, really good. Like that was also an incredible work of art. We had the, um, you know, all, all the stuff with the entrances, they, they really both um, did such great work that it's like, you can't go back there until you are ready to go back there. And the other thing is they're both, Punk is coming back as a heel. Like, there's no way that guy... He might get some mixed reactions in certain towns, but that guy's coming back as a heel. Um, so, and Max is a heel. So, I, I think in that situation, you probably have Max turn tweener because Punk went over in the dog collar match. Um, or you keep him... You keep Max as a heel and have, have them do the title match at All Out. Because Punk will not be booed there. Yeah, but I think my guess is if Punk was holding the title, he's probably turning heel in that run soon enough anyway. He's so much better. And I like CM Punk as a face. He's a much better heel just because he's one of the best heels when he's a heel. And we didn't actually ever really get to fully see that. We got shades of it against Eddie Kingston. Well, no, we saw it. It It was just at, at a dais during a press conference. Right. And how entertaining was that? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> depends who you're talking it's, to. It's got views. It Jeez. got views. Uh, but, uh, but just, he's just, it's very similar to Samoa Joe for me. Love watching their face work, but man, when they're a bad guy, just like an extra layer of magic there. I think you want Punk to get booed. And I think if you want him to have consistent reactions from town to town, he's going to have to get booed. There'll be people who are always hate the elite for no reason. And there'll be people that'll always cheer, cheer CM Punk. Um, I'm a pretty big punk mark and, and wouldn't. <laughs> so I, 
I think if it's him versus and people like also, I think are now to the point where they're booing MJF with a little bit of a wink and a nod as well of like, we boo because he's a heel, but like they really like the kid. <laughs> so um, I think that's a, uh, a, and they had in the feud built in like that pretty much babyface promo from MJF. That was so good of like, talking about being an Adderall ridden or Ritalin riddled kid or whatever ADHD riddled kid. Um, and that punk was his hero and walked out and he used it to turn it on its head. But like, you could easily just tap right back into it. Does punk come back with a box of muffins and a spindrift in his hand? Oh, I think so. Yes. He should. Yeah. You should bring just to put over Mindy's muffins for if, for no other reason, like, or like if he if, if he's mon- brought Mindy back, Mindy. if he's brought back for all outs and they do the press conference the post show presser he shows up with the muffin and the sprint drift and everyone's just like oh no and he's like guys it's fine I I spoken to some people we're good the spin drift is we know I it's fine I got it and then he just like starts teasing a giant tirade every single time I think he puts the muffins down the spin drift down it goes so what do you guys want to talk about. <laughs> Oh, someone, someone in the chat's pointing out Denise is still living off of Brawl Out. Never <laughs> yeah, her. She earned it. She got a ton of views on that. On that like scene. in the millions, I believe. Yeah, Good for her. Absolutely bonkers. <laughs> that just popped me. Uh, and then FTR is back. FTR is signed. FTR is re-signed. They've been re-signed for a while, but God, they were they were getting everybody. What do you think of that match with the guns? What do you think of the whole presentation on Wednesday night? I don't know how I felt about the 50 cent. <laughs> It's not up to me to think about how I feel about it. Uh, I'm not a gun club stan. They seem like really cool dudes. They have a long way to go. More Colton than Austin. Austin's Austin's come a really long way. Um, but this was obviously the right call. They had some really good near falls in this. The past couple matches that the guns have had have been their best. Like They've been, I think, agented pretty well. But very fun seeing FTR go over all is right with the world. Feels like probably the biggest championship booking mistake, you know, aside from real life circumstances that I feel like Tony Khan has made. <laughs> I would have rather seen FTR versus any other transitional tag team, to be honest. Butcher and Blade feels like that was the move to me. Like, put on Butcher and Blade. I understand everyone's like, yeah, but the story from, I get it. That doesn't mean I like the story from August. Um, and then I also legitimately laughed out loud at the sign that said, uh, Vince fears Tony Khan and Dex was in the ring with it. And he tries to do this to Tony so, and Tony's like, no, 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 I'm good. I'm good. I have enough. But his face just killed me. Like it was such an obvious tongue in cheek, like leaning into it. Yeah. Um, but very, very fun. Very, very fun. And I'm excited to see. I think FTR probably does turn back heel. I don't know if that's on the back of a CM Punk return or not, but I feel like this reign is different. Also of note, the only two time tag team champions in AEW are FTR and the elite. So, or the young bucks. So there might be some really fun story to build out sans CM Punk around that as well. Uh, but I'm I'm excited because I feel like this rain can be completely different from any other rain that they've had before. Yeah, I'm looking forward to what uh, what FTR brings to this 
to this tag division that's needed a little bit of their help, in my opinion. Um, and yeah, like you said, they are the only ones to do it twice and hold it twice. So who knows? Hey, Guns or Dominic Mysterio? Who's uh, who's who's better at promos? At promos, uh, Austin Gunn's pretty all right with what they they've given him, so I'll give it to the Guns. Wow. Austin was Austin's good with a promo. That's fair. Tom gets more heat. Uh, Emmy Sokol with a super chat. How many private flights should TK charter to the what, UK? The was it, question wasn't who gets more heat. The question was who do I like better? Anyway, <laughs> how many private flights should TK charter? Uh, by the way, your opinion is uh, wrong, but also subjective. So I respect it, but I don't respect it. How many private flights should TK charter to the UK to avoid a plane ride from hell? Um, Derek was probably going to take his private jet, so you're just going to risk that off the bat, I think. You think he's taking the Jera jet? The Jera jet. The Jericho? Oh, yeah! Air Force, oh, yeah! All aboard the, oh, yeah! You think he calls it Air Force Jericho? The Plane of Jericho. The Plane of Jericho. No, you can't do that. It's the Jericho Plane Society. The Jericho Appreciation Society, but it's air, like J A I R. Oh, it's J Erico. <laughs> <laughs> That's awful. <laughs> Jericho. Uh, yeah, they're all bad. <laughs> Let's face it. But yeah, I mean, I I hope everyone. The Jericho appreciation plane. I'm hoping that everyone behaves over across the pond. It's also like a five hour flight. Let's just hope everybody can relax. It's true. Is it a five hour? I thought it was longer for some reason. Um, well, it depends where you're coming from, I guess. But from New York to Ireland was about a five hour flight, I think. It was shorter I, than New York to LA, which was funny. Right. I mean, Pac is just like, uh, I'm going to make sure that I'm just not at TV for those two weeks leading up to the show. And I'll just, yeah, he's got a hopscotch there. Are you kidding? Yeah. He's like, I'm just not going to come to TV. I'll send in everything you need, TK, but uh, I'm not going to do anything else. That's right. (laughs) He's someone in the chat giving us their idea and then realizing it was, was I saw that and I did it in my brain too. So did I. I still said it out loud because it's funny. (laughs) Ricardo, who's still catching up, says, uh, the Fed went and blew something. Surprised to no one. Yeah, it was uh, that wrapped to WrestleMania two. Just WrestleMania night two was was not great. And then the night. But out. at least they followed it up with a terrible episode of Raw. Yeah, exactly. That's what you got to do. Anyway, what else is there? Anything else from this week? You want to talk about Excite for for a sec? Put that over because you got to. Uh, We're not going to talk about the Captain Sean Dean keeping MJF off Rampage with Bobby Orlando and LSG. No, you didn't talk about it on <laughs> Friday night. So why would you want to talk about it tonight? So you guys want to talk about? We can talk about Excite. I had a, a blast. Um, they are an indie promotion out of upstate New York from my hometown growing up, and they've expanded to two venues. Um, a big part of the school. And the second one is run off the back of HC Loke, who was an ECW and ROH really nice guy. And the first night we did like a little media scrum with me and Chris from WrestleNomics, which was cool. I think we're going to turn that into like a legitimate pre-show for future ones, which I'm excited about. Um, and then at night two, that was the one that was like actually in my hometown proper, uh, unfortunately, Mike Skyros is still a champion. He's a big fat cheater. He sucks. 
Um, I did get to talk to LSG about his rampage appearance. It was the easiest 900 bucks he ever made. Uh, he was very excited that he was like, it was like a two minute match. And I paid my rent. I'm happy. Um, no Sean Dean on, on this show, unfortunately, um, which is, you know, MJF repellent. So I would have appreciated it, but it it's really, really fun. They have um, the Elmira venue, which is the, about an hour North of my hometown. It's was a former, I think like Sears store. So it's enormous. They like cut the the blueprint in half. And even in their like backstage area, there's a ring where they can agent matches just like as a, it's not like a fully set up ring, but it's like enough to, to set some things up around. Um, and just a really good locker room, like a really good vibe, a lot, really, really selfless. Like a lot of other people being like, well, I don't know if I should go over. I think it makes more sense for this guy to go over in the story or whatever. So it's a really, really good energy around there. I know you've been doing a bunch of stuff with Greek town. It's, it's very fun to stay super connected to like just the most uh, like intimate form of, of wrestling in that way where it's just like everybody's, you know, outside of like extra carny stuff. Um, everybody's there for the right reasons. The crowds are there to just sit and watch and enjoy wrestling. Um, it's just like the most stripped away version of it. But Mike Skyros is a punk ass. Uh, I'm very upset about him winning. He cheated to beat Big Bill Collier, the real Big Bill. Put him over really hard because I like Big Bill. He's he's done a bunch of shots in uh, for Greek towns. Go ahead. Go he's ahead. the best. Oh, I love him. But yeah. I, that's what I said. Like if if the imitation version is doing the work he can do on AEW, like check out the original. Bill Collier is great. Um, that Big Bill's been on AEW too. Yeah, it's almost like they should have known when they gave William Morrissey that nickname. That this guy who's been wrestling for a decade under that same name with a very similar look uh, is already out there kicking butt. Um, and then Sean Carr, really like the the pride of the Excite promotion, the hometown kid, lost in a ladder match because Mike Skyros handcuffed him. Kinky little weirdo to the ropes in one off of what were the saddest looking ladders by the time he tried to climb one. They were all very broken and dented, but really, really fun. Um, we got to see, do you, do you ever have Dante Drago up in? Uh... No, not yet. I haven't seen. He's got a, he's, he's a little bit of a frat boy and he comes out with a paddle. They got to be LSG and a wrestler we have named Cloudy in the butt with it. It was really fun why we don't see him because we have our own version of him he's called trent gibson fair <laughs> enough fair enough they should tag together <laughs> actually they should tag together there you go go ahead go ahead talk to me about uh, dante drago oh no he just he he got to use the paddle of the match it was really fun i haven't seen him get to use it yet but he hit uh it was a triple throw with lsg and a wrestler named cloudy and he hit him right on right in the tuchus right in the tuchus right in time that's right I love it. That sounds it was so really much- fun. It was a really, really fun weekend. Soko thinks that he should just change his name to Bigger Bill. <laughs> <laughs> he should. Yeah, he, he should. should. So, all right, we should get out of here. It's been a good night. It's been a really busy couple of weeks. I spent, I mentioned on Twitter, I spent two weeks going to bed at one or two a.m. and waking up at seven for kids stuff, and then last night I went to bed before eleven p.m. That was a oh, great experience. I did, I slept like shit, but I at least got into bed with no wrestling to cover. So that was nice. 
But, oh, uh, yeah. When I came back. So I stayed overnight yesterday. There was like a little after party gimmick. And I had a couple of friends just from the area. Uh, one from college who was a little bit outside of it. And my friend from high school. Um, and when we got back, I just like passed out. And then when I drove back today, I took like, I put on the office. And three minutes later, I was just out and I woke up and I was like, oh, Cafe Disco's on. Nice. Uh <laughs> So it was a much needed crash for sure. Our um, The daycare that we sent our kid to is closed tomorrow and it's Easter Monday. So my wife is back at work and my work is usually like nebulous and I do it whenever I want to. So like, I'm going to be on like hardcore baby duty tomorrow. So that'll be fun. Hardcore baby. Hard, hardcore baby. <laughs> That's making James's kid. Let's get out of here. Kate, plug the shit. <laughs> I don't even know. What do I do anymore, Joel? You do plenty. Just I'm on Slack doing the raw post show, which was really sad last time. <laughs> was Alex crying? Tell me. Was Alex that. wasn't crying, but Sean tweeted, I'm not responsible for anything Alex and Kate say. Alex was kind of giggly because he was like, of course this happened. And I was the one ranting even more. Um, but we have, we have a lot of fun back there. Fightful Select, Sour Graphs Raw, and then on the main channel on Tuesdays, we do the NXT Sour Graphs post show, which is a way stronger episode than Raw was this week, which is sad. Wednesdays at the Mark Order Pod, talking all things all elite. Thursdays doing the AW. Why do I do that every week? The ROH and Impact show, where I do the ROH side with Reg, and then we hit it off to those guys. And Cresta, who is delightful. Uh, and then the AEW Rampage and SmackDown show on Fridays, Saturdays we rest, and then Sundays right back here. Kate and Joel call it in the ring. Joel and Kate at eight. Joel and Kate at eight. That's how we. That's how we get you now. Joel and Kate at eight. That's right. Just remember the Eastern Standard Time part. Uh, man, I'm here on Fightful Overbooked. I call myself the weekend guy. My weekends really start on Fightful at Thursdays when I do that post impact show that Kate mentioned. Fridays are. I'm not actually on anywhere. I'm just recording stuff to throw up for Saturday because Saturday is newsworthy. Sorry, I just ruined your life by telling you that newsworthy is a tape show. And uh, what else is going what? on? I know Sunday's Joel and Kate at eight. Uh, Jeremy and I are working on some new stuff for Overbooked. So get ready. It's going to be really fun, really exciting. So keep it locked. We got a lot of really fun content here. If you haven't subscribed to us here at Fightful Overbooked, go ahead and do it. Tell your friends about it. Not everyone knows. Everyone thinks that Fightful is just Sean Ross Sapp, but no. There are so many more of us doing this. So many more of us for you to hate and block and talk <laughs> shit out on the internet. Believe me, we can oh, all an, take another it. nerd together. Oh, he's just living out his dreams of being a pro wrestler. That's right, and that's right. And you'll never hear that from me because guess what? I ain't getting in a ring. My, also, like my ass knows better. Imagine being angry that someone's living out their dream. Like even if that was true, are, why is it your reaction like, oh, that's cool? Because they're jealous, Kate. They are jealous. <laughs> Nothing else. The je they they're jelly and gooey. They're jelly and gooey. Anyway, I'm at Joel Pearl, J-O-E-L-P-E-A-R-L. Ladies, gentlemen, friends beyond the binary, we hope you enjoyed your long weekend. We'll see you in the next one. Cheers. <laughs>